to thought crime and keto and crime. Today we've got book one in Chad Daybell's Standing in Holy Places series. This is a companion series to the series we've already read, The uh, Times of Turmoil. And I am going to review and summarize for you book one in this series called The Great Gathering. Now, To understand this series, the previous series that we read, think of them as The Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead. It's essentially the same story, different people. This one was actually started first, I believe, so this would be The Walking Dead, no comparison in plot, but The Walking Dead, whereas the one we've already read would have been more like Fear of the Walking Dead. and. I do believe that the series that we read before had more like preparation for what's actually happening rather than this one where this one maybe concentrated on more the time at hand, the present. Anyway, I'm not trying to justify Daybell's writing at all. I'm just saying that that's what I gathered. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Book one, The Great Gathering. But before I get into it, uh, remember, thank you to my uh, patrons and my channel members. Love you all. And also, if you'd like to become a patron, it really helps. And I, I, my channel has kind of become stagnant, and I lost a few subscribers. So I check and make sure you are still subscribed to my channel. I, I've read that YouTubers have noticed that subscribers have just been disappearing. Some of the other true crimers, like Stephanie Harlow, has mentioned that. So just make sure you're still subscribed. And if you were never subscribed, go ahead and hit that button, like, share, uh, comment, all of that helps. If you'd like to join my wonderful patrons and channel members, there's a link to my Patreon down below or the link to join the channel. Always appreciated, never acquired, and my new designs. For my t-shirts and my merch are up at my store. I'm going to link that here, down there. Makes great Christmas presents for anybody, even if they're not into true crime. I think the designs are pretty cool myself. I also owe a subscriber uh, one of my book, book coffee and crime time shirts. So you know who you are. You actually suggested the design. So if you would kindly look at, for my email down below, shoot me an email, give me your address, I'll send you a free a piece of merch of your choice. So anyway, with that being said, let's get into it. The Great Gathering. Get some coffee, get some wine, get a beer, smoke a weed, whatever you gotta do. Let's do it. Whereas the previous series we read started out uh, in, near or in Orin, Utah, and kind of touched on Salt Lake City and those other things, this one starts in Springfield or Springville and Salt Lake City. So that's kind of the area that, that we're in. And it's about, again, 200 pages long. I did not listen to this one. This one was, I actually read this through Kindle. 
And uh, it didn't take very long. I read it in like one hour sessions over about three nights. So not a very long book. Again, most of his aren't. So anyway, it opens with a, uh, a woman by the name of Emma North uh, washing dishes and in Salt Lake City and earthquake right off the bat earthquake or her she goes to her daughter Leah who's of course scared after the earthquake subsides they walk towards the church because that's what you do immediately after an earthquake in Daybell's world and they noticed a lot of damage in the neighborhood they talked to a few people from the church and just generally talked about the earthquake of course Instead of a house, this family lives in an apartment. And with her daughter, Leah, she's also talking to her two sons, David and Charles, who are kidding her about not having to go to church or school. But uh, then we cut to a news broadcast where they're talking about how the quake registered 5.7 on the Richter scale with the epicenter a few miles north of Salt Lake City itself. Then we get a phone. She gets a phone call from her husband, Tad. Is that short for Chad? And it's also strange that this woman named Emma, also a name in another book of Chad Daybell's about a woman named Emma, also one of his daughter's names. So a lot of weird stuff. But anyway, Tad tells them that he's trapped at work. He's an accountant, works for a gentleman named Ken at an accounting firm in Salt Lake City. Talking about how he missed her, how he was worried about her, but how the earthquake wreaked havoc on the interstate, so it's going to take him a while to get from downtown Salt Lake City to more of the suburbs where they are in this apartment building. So she says she understands, and then she kind of, they hang up, and she kind of laments over Tad's behavior. His behavior will become intricate to this story. But talking about how Tad has always been a huge sports nut and how because of the economic troubles in the country. Now remember in the previous series we because they were written in two thousand or published in two thousand twelve, we assumed that the president that Tad Chad Chad was talking about was probably Obama. They never named him, but because of the times when I you know uh, kind of estimated it was probably Obama. However, this book was written in 2004, you know, published 2007, so couldn't have been Obama. So I'm thinking Bush. It was Bush. And like I said, since they run, you know, kind of parallel to each other, we have to assume it was Bush, which kind of odd. He's coming out against a Republican president. I mean, I, I don't care what party the president's from, but you know, I'm sure it had something to do with the economic downturn we were in because of the Gulf War and the housing bubble and all that. But he, basically there's been a huge recession in the country, just like there was in real life. And evidently the Utah Jazz, which was, you know, Salt Lake City's uh, NBA franchise had folded. NBA team just folded. I mean, I know it can happen, but Evidently, lots of sports teams and sports leagues, the NBA, they mentioned the NFL, the NHL, even Major League Baseball had had a lot of financial problems because people didn't have as much disposable income and therefore people weren't watching sports or going to sports games or buying merchandise. So things had folded. 
and a lot of teams had folded. So there was this brand new sports league game kind of thing that he described as a cross between rugby, football, and arena football, which, you know, there's that league now. And it was very violent, very bloody, and it had caught on. It was called Conquest. And the theory was that it wasn't just economic reasons that this new cheaper league had risen. It was because that the American people wanted more blood. They wanted more violence. Porn addiction is evidently a really big problem. Uh, just really bad stuff. Again, people are probably eating off-brand beef jerky and drinking instant coffee. So it's really, really bad. And as a result, this very violent game called Conquest has taken the world, taken the country by storm. And her husband Tad is a huge fan. He has season tickets to the Utah um, team, uh, which has not been named yet because he participates in a contest where he gets to name it later on. But um, he goes to the games every single day. They play every single day. He also plays the sport in a junior league, so every night after work, he goes and participates in something for this thing called Conquest. And evidently Hulk Hogan was a spokesman for it. Evidently Emma and Tad fight about this often because she didn't want him to enter this contest because the... A uh, contest winner would receive yet more free season tickets, which would mean that he would be away from home more than ever and drag some of his buddies into it. So she doesn't want him to participate, but he suggests the name Gladiators because Emma yelled at him that it was like watching Roman Gladiators again. And so, yeah. And also because he was playing it, he was coming into church with bloody arms and Brett bruised face and just looked like he was fighting a lot and she didn't like that. Oh, and he wins the contest, but they changed the name a little bit in honor of the Utah Jazz. It's now the Utah Gladiators with three Z's. So now they get a call from Doug, who is Emma's brother, and says that his wife, Becky, her brother, Josh, and his wife, Kim, have been called to take over all the missions in Guatemala because that mission president suddenly passed away, and they were taking Josh and Kim out for one last meal before they leave. And they, were, they wanted brick oven pizza, so they were going to go to this famous Provo, Utah brick oven pizza uh, place the next night. So Tad left David, who was the oldest, in charge of Leah and Charles, and they went to this dinner for some good brick oven pizza. After they had dinner and talked about how excited they were for the new appointment, they went to Grandpa North, who is uh, Emma's, excuse me, Tad's grandfather, to visit before they went home, and he told them that uh, they found stomach cancer because he had been having some stomach problems. And then Tad said, um, whoa, well, when do you start the treatments? And Grandpa said, I don't think I'm going to do any treatments because I'm old, I'm stubborn, I'm a Navy vet. I just don't think I want to, you know, 
do that because the only way the VA is saying they will pay for it is if I get this chip implanted, this latest thing. And Tad's like, well, Tad and Emma are like, well, what chip? And then they talk about the chip, the same chip that was in the other series that we read about being implanted in your hand, your right hand, that uh, it would be where all your transactions would take place. They would be able to track you. They would, uh, all your credit history, everything would be work history. Everything would be on that chip. No way to commit fraud, blah, 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 blah. And that the government was offering free medical treatment to any veteran that gets it done or a $2,000 rebate, cash money paid to any adult or child that got it done. So they begin to discuss the fact that, you know, Tad is a little bit greedy. He began to think about the fact that if he and Emma and all three of their children got it done, that would be 10 grand coming to them. And so he began to think about that. And then they talked a little bit. Emma of course, does not like the idea of the chip at all. And she's talking about, of course, the mark of, mark of the beast and blah, 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 blah. She told Tad there was no way she was getting the chip. None of her children would get the chip. And she did not want him to get the chip. And Tad promises, don't worry, I won't get the chip, even if it costs me my life. And Grandpa North agreed. He said, I'm a devout Mormon. I am not going to get that chip. So they go home. Since they didn't have to worry about dinner, they're sitting on the couch and a commercial comes on and it's this couple kissing and the uh, woman is told by the man, hey, you look more alive than ever. What, what's, what's, he, she, and then she goes, it's because I got the chip. You need to get the chip. And then they start talking about these commercials airing, you know, seven nights a week, radio promos, the uh, music band, the Chippy Chips, that was in the first novel, has their award-winning song, It's Hip to Get the Chip. So yeah, Fear the Walking Dead, Walking Dead. And so they start hearing all of this stuff talking about uh, getting the chip, how not only will it stop identity theft and you won't have to do resumes or carry a wallet anymore, you know, or even carry a plastic driver's license. Also talk about uh, kid, parents, do you worry about losing your kids? You Now you won't have to, we can track them. It's like a pet, you know, chipping your pet. And so lots of people start talking about this just based on the promos. So for oh, over a week, two weeks, these commercials, radio promos, song, people are talking about the chip. Where do you get it? But still, there's no official information on it. And then finally on Monday night, that same president that spoke in the, you know, the previous series we wrote about talking about the rebate addresses the nation and tells them about the $2,000 tax incentive, which can be taken off your taxes or given to you as a cash deposit on your chip account. And uh, that chip implementation centers are being set up in most major cities and small towns all over the country. And he encourages every U.S. citizen to get it because it will also, not only will it be a great new way to streamline things, but also every person that gets it man, woman, or child will get $2,000 and that will be money that will be going back into the economy and hopefully break the recession that we're currently in. So over the next few days, it shows news, shows lines of people at these chip centers, all of them saying, thank you, Mr. President, for 
all this. This money is great. It only took 15 minutes. It's, it's a lot easier than getting a driver's license. And then it talks about uh, now the run on stores where people are not, are using their to, you know, their money to buy big screen TVs, go on vacation, um, go out to eat, doing all the things that we as Americans tend to do whenever we get a tax refund is to blow it. We don't save it, we blow it. And so they started now having stats and it was noticed that the people in the Rocky Mountain area where the LDS church is big, were not getting the chips because it was against their religion and the president came on talking about the wonderful economic boom that had been created and how everything was going to be more and more streamlined. And then he specifically spoke to the good people of the Rocky Mountain area, urging them to get the chip. So, uh, the very next Sunday at church, there was a letter from the president of the Mormon church urging people not to get the chip, that they wanted people to keep their own agency. But then there was discussions among the parishioners talking about how this money could bless their lives. But then there were some staunch people that wanted to obey the president and not get the chip. And so Emma actually got into an argument with some people in her group uh, talking about how it could be sinful to get the chip and no amount of money is worth that. But then they would talk about how this money could bless their lives. I have financial troubles and my son needs medical care blah, 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 blah. And so after they got home, Tad kind of scolded her about getting into an argument like that. And not to do that. And a lot of people will feel that the money, that they need the money. And so we jump ahead to March because all this was taking place, you know, right after Christmas through January, February, and now we're into March where now the chip is commonplace. A lot of places has stopped accepting cash altogether. Cash is still a thing, but there's still very few places that accept it. A few would still accept credit cards, but it was vastly becoming chip-only economy, digital money. Some of the largest gas station chains and convenience store chains started saying chip-only. School districts were saying that children must be chipped before they start school to be able to uh, get school lunch or, or participate in after school activities. So vastly becoming chipless society, you know, a fully cashless, cardless society. And then we jump from the United States to Guatemala where Josh and Kim are settling in. They were kind of talking about all the poverty they saw. They were talking with a woman by the name of Sister Silva who was telling them that there was, she was a direct descendant of the Mayans because they were near one of the Mayan temples. I cannot pronounce that city's name, so I'm not even going to try. I will butcher it. And she was a pure Mayan descent. She was talking about how she interpreted the Book of Mormon to mean that the Mayans were direct descendants of the uh, Lemonites and, uh, uh, and the Nephites. So, yeah, Guatemalans are straight-up Mormon. And so... Uh, they started, you know, missions, building the church, trying to proselytize to anyone in Guatemala that would, that would listen. And then eventually an elder Smith, same elder Smith we heard about in the other that kind of, you know, took our hero in that story and put him on his path to working in the camps, uh, was there to, from the Quorum of the Twelve to officially coronate Josh and Kim Brown as the president of this ward, the whole ward of Guatemala. So he's there. He's telling them 
ask them if they lived a clean life. They said they don't know if they're worthy. Yes, you are. Uh, all of that. And then uh, he tells them most likely they will not ever leave Guatemala uh, before Jesus Christ returns. That is like totally weird to, t to say to somebody, but pretty much he's telling them this is going to be your forever home. So I would suggest settling all your accounts back in Utah and to transfer all your financial assets here, donate it all to the church, and we will take care of you because you work for us now. It's kind of like the mafia uh, uh, offer you can't refuse. And say, uh, and he talks about the coming trouble. He tells them about the chip and what the church is preparing. They're preparing camps for when it's time for the saints to disappear from society and get out of it, and then more end time shit. So Josh and Kim have a discussion, decide they will call their family back in Utah, namely Doug, and who is, of course, uh, brother-in-law, and ask him would they, he sell their house and send the money to them. So basically, uh, now we switch back to Utah where Tad is at work in his accounting firm. Uh, basically, his boss, Ken Turner, who is a devout member of the church, has been fighting, uh, issuing the chip to his workers, you know, using the company, putting company payroll, everything that goes with that on the chip. And basically, the government is stamping down hard on any business that does not comply. And then one day, they call a meeting, and Tad and everybody in the office uh, come in and basically... Ken tells them that they've weighed their options and have decided to join with other companies and implement chip scanners for day-to-day -day operations for payroll purposes. Any employee who does not have the chip may have their pay delayed or not be paid at all, and eventually this would be the wave of the future and you would not be able to be employed without the chip. Uh, most of the non-Mormon members of the um, company laughed showed their hands where they already had the chip. And then Ken smiled and said, well, let's get back to earning those paychecks. And he went to his office. Tad told, asked Ken if he could have a moment. Ken said, of course. They go into Ken's office and Ken reveals that he's already gotten the chip. And the Tad says that his wife will never be okay with him getting the chip. And... How is he rectifying this with his faith? And he explains that he has two sons and missions. He couldn't support them. He couldn't support his wife. He couldn't support this business, which funds and tithes to the Mormon church. If he is shut down because he doesn't comply. So what choice did he have? And he also told Tad, if you don't get the chip, you're running the risk of me having to uh, let you go. Because anybody that doesn't get it, I can't pay anymore. That's just it. And he also says that there are older accountants that have been there much longer than Ken that were, you know, elders and were very uh, active in the church that absolutely would not get it and would probably go ahead and retire, leaving open spots higher up in management and that Tad would get a promotion and a bonus and all this stuff just from getting the chip. And he also says the problem is now that all government benefits, you can't get unemployment. Evidently, these retirees, unless they have a huge amount of savings in their bank, are not going to be able to access Social Security or anything without the chip. So he tells Tad not to uh, pass down a good promotion, more money, 
and everything by not getting the chip. And, of course, Tad wanders back to his office and sits there and thinks about it. He thinks about how they're cramped in this, two, you know, three-bedroom apartment, you know, with the boys sharing a room and their little girl having a room and them being cramped and how uh, that if he did get this promotion that maybe he could afford a house for his family. And so he's sitting there seriously contemplating getting the chip against Emma's wishes. And so while he's sitting there contemplating this, uh, his phone rings and the ID says it's his grandfather. He picked up and fortunately it was his father telling him that his grandfather had passed away. Uh, he goes and asks Ken for some time off and then we cut to Grandpa's North funeral where Tad was very bitter that his grandfather, who he was very close to, had died because he refused to accept the chip and couldn't get cancer treatment. And so they sat around afterwards at the kitchen table with uh, Emma, Emma's brother, Doug, and uh, Emma's father, Mark, who came for the funeral. And they started arguing essentially about the chip, about whether the morality of getting it. And then Mark reveals that he had been, he and his wife, which are Emma's parents, have been, and Doug's parents, have been commissioned by the church to build generators and build food stocks for a nearby camp where it was rumored they would all be going soon and that everybody should just quit worrying about living in this life that we're in and just be prepared to go when the church says go. And then Tad is arguing that that's foolish, that, you know, no one can predict when the end of time is and that they would become fugitives because the government's really getting, cracking down on people that didn't get the chip. And so basically Doug and Tad have a huge argument. Tad says that there's no way that the millionaires in the LDS church or the people that were, you know, quite wealthy would give up all their possessions and and go live in a tent and, you know, uh, Doug Counter saying that who do you think's been paying for all of this? It is the millionaires and that people would just leave their houses and he goes, so I'm supposed to destroy everything that I've worked for just to go live in a tent. And he says, yes, because that's what God wants us to do. And there was just a huge fight. And finally, Tad gets upset and walks out to go check on the kids. Doug turns to Emma and says, how long has he been talking like this? And Emma says a long time he's really caught up in this world. And then we learn more about the nearby camp called Jolly's Ranch. Like a Jolly Rancher. I like sour apple Jolly Ranchers. Anyway, uh, this is where Mark and his wife Michelle, Emma and Doug's parents, are uh, working to install generators that would provide power to at least most of the camp. They were setting up these strong tents that were much like, you know, FEMA tents that were made for long-term housing, and uh, that's where the majority of the people would live. There would be a couple of wooden pavilions for the entire community to use, and a couple of buildings that would have solar and be powered by water power generators, uh, and would even have net LDS network um Internet, so I guess we're back to Zoom. Remember Zoom that was in the, the Zion communication network that was in the first? Yeah, it's here too. And, uh, yeah, so that's what it was. And then they go to uh, Temple on Saturday for special meetings, and they are told by the head of each ward, each 
church has a sermon about the end times and what the saints are commanded to do to be prepared to go to the camps to go ahead and pay off all your debt if you can live beyond live under your means stock up supplies of food medicine clothing camping equipment and be prepared to go at a moment's notice well of course as you can imagine tad doesn't like that and then they said that every uh, teenage missionary or, or young adult missionary you know when mormons go out and serve their mission would be called back reunited with their families because this was going to happen soon and david the uh, emma and tad's oldest son is very disappointed because he was only a couple of years away from his mission and emma reassures him that there'll be plenty of missionary work to do no matter what um and then we cut back to kim to kim and josh who are talking to doug uh, over the phone and doug has promised to put their house on the market and to send them any money from the sale and then we cut to a weather map remember hurricane barton that hit the country in the other series well he's here too and it's tracking toward the gulf of mexico but josh in guatemala has an inkling from a feeling from the holy spirit telling him that it's going to change direction and hit guatemala so he busy prepares i guess he's overall in guatemala from the sounds of it el presidente or something and he is uh, instructing all of his mission in Guatemala to reinforce. They build shelters. They move all of their food into certain areas. And they all come to the center point of the mission next to the Mayan temple. Because remember, the Mayans are Mormon. And they're going to ride out Hurricane Barton. All of this happened Friday to Sunday. Monday, Hurricane Barton suddenly shifts, heads right towards Guatemala and changes from a category four to a category five and just pounds the entire island country of guatemala as well as all of central america before it finally leaves and tracks up to the mainland united states and mexico and of course everyone that was in josh's care survives with just a few minor injuries and now they're busying themselves cleaning up trying to get power restored all that good stuff we cut back to uh, Salt Lake City where Tad is at a Grizzlies game and then he goes home where Emma's waiting for him. She basically jumps all over his butt about caring more about that team than he does anything going on in the world and he snaps back says that's a cheap shot that he takes David to all the quorum meetings and that he's as faithful as he could possibly be. He just worries about providing for his family's future because no one knows what the future holds and they really get into it. And basically, she gives him an ultimatum. You need to prove to me that you're not so caught up in this world that you're disobeying uh, spiritual things. I want you to sell those season tickets, all of them, and not play uh, Conquest anymore. So, yeah. She storms out, takes the kids to, down to her parents in Springville for a little while. And when she returns the next morning, Tad is has thought over the night and conceded that he will indeed sell the season tickets, give the money to the church, and try to be more involved in his family's day-to-day -day. so they have a nice night, they had a nice morning, and then he goes on into work. And then when Emma goes to check the mail, there's a letter there from the CHIP authority addressed to Tad. 
She opens it. It's a check for $2,000 referring to Chip serial number. And so she goes to the website on the thing, opens it up, puts in that chip number, and sees all of Tad's information. Credit, uh, driver's license, employment, all of that, and realizes that Tad has indeed gotten the chip and not told her. Now, Tad, if you really want to get something over on your wife, why didn't you just have them put the money on the chip instead of having a check mailed to your house? That's a plot hole. Chad, plot hole. These are your rules. Follow your rules. Also, Emma, you need to run far away because if Tad does the same thing as Chad did to Tammy, you in danger, girl. Run. So she calls Tad at the office. At first, is really pleasant, saying, I'm so glad we had uh, this beautiful time together. And then she just drops it on him. Oh, I got your check. And so they get into a huge argument. Emma hangs up on him, and he tries to call back, but she unplugs the phone. This is 2007. You still got a rotary phone, girl? Unplug the phone. Most phones at that time are cordless. What what kind of apartment are you living in? Anyway. Analog. Anyway. So Tad sits at his desk for a few minutes and, and kind of just stares into space thinking about, you know, what what he can do to make this right. So I guess she, Emma, meanwhile, Emma plugs the phone back in after she's sure he's not going to call anymore and calls her father, Mark, in Springville and asks him if he and Doug can come get her and the kids because Tad's done gone and got the chip. And so he comes and gets them. And uh, finally, at 3 p.m., Mark pulls himself away because he did get that promotion and that raise and all that good stuff and heads home. And gets there about the time they're almost finished packing up his family. He tries to talk to them. Mark threatens to beat the hell out of him. And Emma says she doesn't want to see him. So he just gets mad and kind of walks away before he loses his temper. So they take off. He goes back to the apartment. And on a post-it note in their bedroom, take to the wall, is his check. And the post-it note says, don't forget to deposit this. Slap. Slap. Next morning, Emma calls Tad. He begs her to be reasonable. And she tells him the only way he can make this right is to remove, return that check, remove the chip, and, do it, and come work uh, at the church and get prepared for what's coming. He offered to with his new promotion and bonuses to buy her a house in Springville near her parents, but she's not having it. So they basically hang up angry. And then all hell breaks loose. But you're going to have to wait to tomorrow to talk about this hell that's coming as I'm going to end part one of The Great Gathering right now. And I will be back tomorrow with the second part. And I hope you enjoyed this. And until next time, Keto Comic.